This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I interviewed Nico. Um, he's from Simply Bitcoin. It's a YouTube channel. Uh, you can also find that channel just at simplybitcoin.tv. Wanted to have him on, you know, from a content creator's perspective. And also, he's got just a lot of good insight into uh, Bitcoin. But uh, we talk about decentralization of media and how that's going on. Um, talk about, you know, the Bitcoin bear market and how that's sometimes a, a better place to find who's real in this space. And then uh, also, you know, ultimately why Bitcoin just wins. So uh, I really enjoyed the conversation with him. I'm glad he uh, came on and we'll definitely be doing that again. Um, the sponsor for this episode is Coinbase Connect. Do you have questions about Bitcoin? Personalize your learning and book a one-on-one -on -one video call with a Bitcoin pro on Coinbeast Connect. Learn about mining, security, the Lightning Network, DeFi, taxes, and many other topics. It's really easy. Choose your topic and pro, select a date when you're available, and bring your questions to the meeting room. Book your first call today by going to coinbeast.com and clicking on the Connect tab. Be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need. It's also brought to you by my streaming platform, Movies Plus. Check it out. Download it in the App Store. Just search Movies Plus. Um, you know, go anywhere and you'll be able to get a free download, a free month um, trial. And we have uh, we have th at least three, if not four, uh, Bitcoin uh, documentaries that will be available probably in like two weeks. So if you're listening to this, unless you're listening to it immediately, um, it's probably available. So yeah, check it out. Hope you guys enjoy it. If you want to get in contact with me, my Twitter handle is at Corey underscore Tusik. And you can email the show Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Yeah, I, it's funny you said that you're not in your usual place because that's been my life for like, this is the second podcast I've done sitting here because we're in the process of either constructing a new house or buying a new house. So I didn't want to make any like, I was just like, oh, like, what's the point of like getting a nice setup? So I was always doing like the podcasts on like, like at the dining room table or like on the back porch. So it was like, whenever it was time to do a podcast, it was like, everybody like daddy's got to do a podcast, get downstairs, you know? Like all that <laughs> stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm used to it at this point, uh, being able to, to adapt to different environments. It's funny you say that. Cause so I have, I have really loud dogs at my house and um, you could hear them when we do when we do should be bitcoin you could hear them in the background and i used to get mad in the beginning and i was like shut the fuck up and then um now i've just they're part of the show that's the way i see it yeah yeah no that's the for me i mean my dog will bark but not as much um but uh but yeah the the kids will just it'll i mean one time they like crashed like they like came upstairs my wife was like doing laundry and they just like came up and we're like walking towards the camera and i was like off camera like no no like just stay there and they just they just walked right up and i'm like all right let's do it this. Ha it happens dude I i'm like there how, how long have you been doing this uh i started in february started in february yeah so um i've been in content creation for a bit over two years now and dude it, there's something called murphy's law where anything, anything that can, can go wrong will go like anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And man, is that law ridiculously accurate? Um, and it's just like every single thing, any single problem that you could think of will probably happen to you at least once. 
So mm-hmm. it's just normal, dude. But, you know, it, one of the awesome parts about content creation, you know, if, if you compare it to, you know, the old way of content creation, which was, you know, with the studio and you had to, there was, there was these gatekeepers, so to speak. Now content creation is way different. Anybody with a microphone could essentially become a broadcaster, right? Yeah. Um, so, it, so, and what was the point of me saying that? So before content creation was extremely produced, extremely perfected, right? Now content creation, people, what I've noticed is that people got sick and tired of that perfection that like produce shit. And what I've noticed, especially on YouTube, on podcasts, is that the more sincere you are, right? The more vulnerability you show, the more of the human side that you show, audience people really like that. Because, and and I really think that's because people are sick and tired of this product, right? And Mm -hmm. what you get on YouTube a lot, and when you get on you know, personal podcasts a lot is that you get this level of sincerity that I don't think that we're used to that. I don't, I, I, especially, you know, cause we're kind of, you know, like transitioning between, you know, the old industrial age that we just experienced last century and we're transitioning to the age of information. Right. And I think people are sick and tired of, you know, the, the anchor man, you know, and, and yep. people are warming up to anybody could, you know, just put on a camera, they could speak their mind, they could speak the truth. Um, and it's funny because you see the legacy media and how they're reacting to this and, and their their reaction is censorship. You know, they don't want the competition. They, they you know, they, they want them and they want to be the, the gatekeepers of information like they were, you know, the last, you know, 50, 60 years. But I, I think that era is dying. And I think that YouTube, the internet in general, Twitter, you know, I get my news from Twitter. I don't get my news from legacy outlets. That, that's where you get propaganda, but that's not where you're going to get the truth. And I, I think that, you know, they're, they're just reacting like little children, you know, they're, they're like oh, in yeah. denial and, you know, like we are the gatekeepers of information, you know, misinformation. If it's not from us, it's misinformation. But then when you hear from them, it's like it's total propaganda. It's all, you know, uh, to use um, what's his name? The last president's words like that's fake news. Like it's it's just it, it's so chaotic what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, I don't think you probably know my background, but I'm in the movie business and I started a streaming platform that's uh, like pro free speech and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, we're taking down the old guard, you know, and it's kind of funny to me, like uh, Michael Malice just said on Joe Rogan, and I'm going to start using this because Rogan said something like it's, you know, the mainstream media. And he was like, no, no, no. The mainstream media is you and like the podcasters. That's what is mainstream. The other one is what we used to call the mainstream media is now the corporate media. And it's becoming right. evident, you know, it's, this is corporate media, it's corporate propaganda. It's yeah. I mean, like, you know, not the, I'm not going to touch on the VAX subject cause we'll get like booted out of the internet for that. But, uh, <clears throat> but you know, like Pfizer sponsors all of the, the cable news networks, you know what I mean? Like, dude, it, it's so, it, you know what? Like, it's so apparent that like what they're doing is, I hope people go to jail, bro. 
you know, like what they're doing is just, it's so dangerous. It's so insincere. They don't even practice what they preach. And it's like, what are they selling? Whose agenda are they selling? Because it's really selling an agenda. And, you know, the, 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 the recent occurrence that comes to mind is when Joe Rogan invited the guy from CNN onto his channel and oh, yeah. he asked him point blank, like, why did you lie about me? And the guy on Joe Rogan said, we shouldn't have done that. But then when he goes back on CNN, he stands by what CNN had to say. And it's like, like, that is just such garbage, you know? Yeah. And it's like, but I, I think that people are waking up um, all their ratings just plummeted. Um, I know that Fox News is doing well, right? But I think that's normal because they're the opposition party, you know, the conservatives. They're the only uh, one. Yeah, exactly. Of, you know. So, and, 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 and I, you know, and I see Tucker Carlson from here and there, and I do like his reporting. It's, it, it, he definitely can't say what you would say on a podcast, but at the same time, he tells a lot more truth than MSNBC, CNN, and whatever, because all they're doing is just selling, like, fear and hate you know and and i think that you know i don't think that's good i i I don't think that's good for anybody and it just creates you know this population in this country that are absolutely petrified of something they can't see they can't touch and listen i live in florida dude okay Mm -hmm. and florida has been open for months now Everyone's happy. Everyone's going out. Everyone's going to uh, uh, restaurants. And if you look at the case rate, Florida is actually one of the lowest per state. So that kind of breaks the whole narrative, right, that they've been trying to pitch. So this narrative that, you know, lockdowns are useful, lockdowns do this. But it's like you have you really have two. you have two governor, Texas and Florida, where they're getting berated by the mainstream media. But. The narrative of lockdown and fear and hate isn't producing better results. So at what point, and I don't think they'll ever do this, but it's like, you know how many, you know how many jobs those people have cost? Like, you know how many like casualties of like this whole expanse of the extensive damage that's done by it. Like that we'll never know for decades, probably. No. And I think that when this comes out, like when the truth comes out, of like what's really going on, I think people are going to be very upset because it, it like this is such a crime, dude, like to at, at such a length that I don't think people understand, like unless and like it's funny because the Bitcoiners know, right? The Bitcoiners are awake. And I really think that has to do with Bitcoin itself because Bitcoin itself is anchored to the truth by proof of work, right? So yep. if you're denominating in Bitcoin, what I've tended to notice is that it really changes, you know, the old age adage, you don't change Bitcoin, Bitcoin changes you. And it really kind of wires your brain a little bit. It, it pulls you out of the matrix. And all of a sudden, the truth is very important to you. But it's not because, like, you know, you're just looking out for your interests, you know, and, and by looking out for your own interests, the truth all of a sudden becomes important. And if you compare that to the fiat world, right? In the fiat world, lies are rewarded. Yeah. Right? Like lies, cheating, 
all of that stuff is rewarding. Wars, it's rewarding, right? But in the Bitcoin world, all of a sudden, the lies hurt you. They they hurt your reputation. They hurt like you know your your own your soul in a way, right? So it's just so crazy how that shit works. But man, I, I think that when all of this is over. I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to pretend that they weren't on the wrong side of history. But unfortunately for them, the internet never forgets, right? So it's it's not like anyone's going to hate these people, but it's going to be like they're not people aren't going to take them seriously anymore. And and I really think that's the future that we're heading into and I think that this is all going to culminate within this decade of like it, the fiat turning out to be a lie nation state like the nation the governments how they're shaped how they're organized today i don't think that there'll be a thing um 10 15 20 years from now right they have way too much power and because they mm-hmm. have way too much power the whole system's just been corrupted from top to bottom dude and it, it's just and in bitcoin once you take the orange pill bitcoin just highlights that like it just magnifies that truth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's just one of those things that makes you, I think truth seekers are drawn to it, but then, um, as you start to peel back the onion, the layers of the onion, you just keep going, Whoa, like, what about the truth over here? What's the truth here? Um, it's crazy to think about, you know, but I, I do agree. I think that the governments as they exist now are going to be, it's it's not going to exist like this in the future. Um, so uh, so, how, how, what's your Bitcoin story? How did you get into Bitcoin, and and how did that start? That's a really good question. So um, so I so I got into Bitcoin in 2016. Um, I was going through like a very rough patch in my life, and um, you know my my cousin he. He came to visit me and I was living at my friend's apartment at the time. And, um, and he just came to visit. We, we were sitting in the, we were sitting out in the balcony. I'll never forget. And, uh, he's like, have you ever heard of, of Bitcoin and, you know, and all the shit coins and, you know, like, I, of course I've heard of it at the time, but I, I never really took it seriously, but I was at such a desperate moment in my life that I was just willing to grab onto anything. And mm-hmm. he kind of exposed me to this idea of Bitcoin mining and I got fascinated by it. And um, I quit my job not too long after and I moved to Venezuela to move with, uh, with my uncle. And I essentially told him like, look, teach me everything you need, to, everything I need to know about Bitcoin mining and, and uh, I'll work for you for free. And that's what I did. And there I kind of built up, I, I built up my hosting business. I, I put a lot of money in Bitcoin. Um, and, and yeah, man, like I just kept working. I, I, I got some clients from his and Venezuela started getting a little sketchy um, mm-hmm. in terms of mining yourself. So I had to relocate to South Carolina and I brought some of his clients with me. And, uh, and yeah, man, you know, the rest is history. I, I, I was lucky enough to go full time in Bitcoin since uh, since really like mid early 2019. Um, and yeah, man, it's 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 been a hell of a journey. And and yeah, I, I you know I, I 
I dedicate my life now to teaching, educating people and, and really making Bitcoin content. And I'm trying to, you know, really help this revolution take place. That's awesome. Um, so you do, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, so you got into Bitcoin 2016 um, and you moved to Venezuela. I'm trying to think when did the, when did the hyperinflation really was, where was it at whenever you moved there? So it was going, so it was happening, but the country wasn't dollarized yet. And there is a really interesting thing that happens there is that there is a black market rate and there is a official rate. And what happens is that the official rate, it makes the cost of electricity competitive, but the black market rate, which is the rate that the actual currency is worth, really made the electricity virtually free. Um, mm. So there was a moment in time, a moment in history where the electricity was essentially free, dude. It was pennies on the dollar, like literally um, no l- fractions of a penny on the dollar to say huh. it correctly. And, and, you know, but that, that only happened for so long until really what happened first is that the government or people that worked for the government, what they started to realize is like, Hey, look, I could seize these machines and mine by myself. Um, you know, so that's what started happening that they just started taking people's machines. They would go home and plugging it, plug it in themselves. And that was a lot of money. You know, because you have to understand something that, you know, that the like the average wage in Venezuela is like it's like a hundred or two hundred dollars. It's less than that, actually. So it's like, you know, you have one Bitcoin miner. It's making you a fortune every day in Bitcoin. Right. It's even better than the, the shitty currency. So it created this weird kind of situation slash opportunity. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Nice. So then, um, how did how did that get you into doing simply simply Bitcoin TV? What do you mean? Well, like, at what point did you start doing that? When was your first uh, show? And like, how did the not just how when was your first show, but how did the show come together? Like, what was the origins of it, and and all that kind of stuff? Oh, that's that's a great question. Um, so. I kind of I kind of touched upon this too when I spoke at the conference. Um, so there's a lot of shitcoin channels on YouTube right now. Oh, yeah. um, they're filled with them, and what they do is they they sell a lot of hopium. So essentially, what that means is um, look at it this way: um, you go to all these channels, and you know the guy has the the traditional like mouth open yeah oh yeah they're all and and, uh you know they say something in the title like you click this and you'll be the next millionaire and stuff like that and and that's really you know they they really sell this i would i I would say false hope of you know like if i buy this coin i'll become this wealthy and etc etc and what i you know and I, i what i thought is is like why don't you just get rid of the hopium? You get rid of, you know, the clickbait, uh, you know, and, and just maintain the attractive thumbnail and maintain the attractive title 
but just don't make it about price. Just make it, just focus on the signal. Just focus on Bitcoin and, and kind of make a YouTube show so that like there is kind of like a Bitcoin YouTube show, right? Because before there really was none, there was like Bitcoin podcasts, there was Bitcoin tutorials, there was like Bitcoin channels, but there wasn't really like a Bitcoin YouTube show. So, you know, I, I found fellow Bitcoiner and he, he had a pretty successful podcast at the time. And I said, hey, why don't we uh, do this? He agreed. And then we just started making videos every day. And, you know, eventually you just figure it out. Like that's yeah. just how that's just how it works, YouTube. And that's exactly what we did, man. And the rest is history. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, your thumbnails, I got to give you credit because none of them. I mean, I think somebody could have even been you. Somebody shared uh, Pomp had one recently where it was like the thumbnail of him, like, you know, like shocked face, like, oh, and um, yeah, it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole. But you guys do a good job with your thumbnails of keeping them, um, you know, I mean, they catch your eye and that's part of the game. You know, you have to you have to be able to draw people in that way. Um we'll have to i mean we could talk about it now or we could but we'll talk about it afterwards but uh i want to offer um free content on our streaming platform it's called movies plus and we have um we want to have like a free section um so yeah was, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards because I, I think there's a way we could host and you know monetize it for you guys in a different way but you know bring it to a new audience um so uh but Okay, so do you ever, how do you do a daily show? Because I have a hard time. I mean, I could talk about Bitcoin all the time. I guess it's easier for you because you guys are just talking about Bitcoin, what's happening that day. So you're you're like, as as we've seen, Bitcoin just serves up new topics constantly. Yeah, so so if you kind of look at what all these people do, like you know all the traditional news news guys like Tucker, Rachel Maddow and whatever you have to understand that all these people what they're doing is they're creating a story, right? A narrative. And people the way that they see the world is through a story, through a narrative, right? Mm-hmm. So all we're doing is we're telling the news that was already told that day but we're just telling it from the eyes, from the perspective of Bitcoiners. So what that does is if you're a Bitcoiner and you're seeing all the clown world right now, you're seeing all the chaos, um, it's really hard to kind of make sense of it because what you're doing is that you're getting your news from people that are not seeing it from the Bitcoiners perspective, but we are, right? So that's all we're doing. And it's really like, in terms of work, it takes about five hours per video. Um, in terms of, of content, in terms of what to talk about, we never run out what to talk about because there's always something, you know, mm-hmm. there's always a story, there's always whatever, and you could tie it into Bitcoin so easily. So it's really not that difficult. Um, there is some days that it, the news is slow, but because of how our show is formatted, what we do is we just pivot to, um, we'll do, we'll focus more on the meme that day or we'll focus more on the fail, but I wouldn't say it's hard to come up with source material. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. Um, I'll have to send you my video meme of uh of the Bitcoin FUD busting. Uh, where I did it to the from the movie The Kingsman. Did you ever see that? I did see that. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to show you. It's uh, it's it. It was a little bit of a production, but uh, but yeah, I I like the. I, what do you think of the meme culture right now in Bitcoin? Uh, because it's pretty crazy. <laughs> And it I goes think, so fast and I'm barely hanging on. Like I just figured out banana bread and now it's on to something else. I think memes are just so important. Um, we're, we're experiencing, you know, I think that the, the nuclear weapon really made um, kinetic war between big countries obsolete without destroying each other. So now we're, we're kind of experiencing humanity as a whole, a new type of warfare, which is really information warfare. It's really a war for your mind. And memes are just so important because they're a way to transfer information extremely quickly. Um, And memes are really only funny if they're based on truth. If they're not based on truth, then you're not, you're going to have actually a hard time understanding them. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, like if you see a tweet, like you can make the analogy that a tweet is like a bullet. A meme is like artillery in this war that we're fighting. And if you look at every single tweet from the establishment, whether it's the Bank of International Settlements, whether it's the Euro Central Bank, any of that, um, what you'll see in the comment section is a bunch of memes telling the truth. And sometimes those memes actually have better engagement than the original content. So all it takes is just one curious person seeing that bank from the European Union and they scroll down below and you see a bunch of Bitcoin memes. And all it takes is that that curiosity for you to be like, what is this Bitcoin? Right. And then they go down the rabbit hole. Right. So we have them so on their back foot, they don't even, they can't even deal with this. They can't even process it fast enough that, you know, they think it's a joke. They think it's this, but here's the difference between the fiat world and the Bitcoin world is that in the fiat world, you need to wear a suit. You need to, you have this sense of elitism because that's how you gain people's trust. Right. And a Bitcoin world, Bitcoin does all the heavy lifting. So it doesn't matter where, whether you wore a hoodie or whether you have, you know, a, 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 a mutt pocket or a, um, a Muppet as your avatar on Twitter. That's irrelevant. What people are going to care about, especially this is internet culture as a whole, is whether you're providing value. It doesn't, we don't care about your age. We don't care about your credentials. We don't care about whether you went to school or not. It's what it's a very simple question. Are you providing value? Yes or no. Right. So that's a big change from the fiat establishment, which is like, this is my degree. This is where I went to school. This is this, this is that you could trust me. Ha. That system obviously hasn't worked out very well. The new system takes that elitism and it throws it out the window, right? And it says, look, are you here to help Bitcoin? Or are you here not to help Bitcoin, right? 
And that's where kind of memes fall into the puzzle, right? And because it's a way of ridiculing your opponent and because it's true, it's funny, right? And they, what are they going to do? Are they going to start coming up with memes themselves? They can't come up with memes because we know they're a joke. Like we know their shit is based on lies. So what the only thing they really have to hide behind is their legacy and their suits and their towers, but that could only last for so long. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a crazy world, man. And, and look in 20, 30 years, you know, going to tell our grandchildren, like, you know, we brought up, we brought down the legacy system with funny pictures on the internet. Right. But, but doesn't that highlight how weak the legacy system was rather than how, rather than how stupid we were, were we really that stupid if it was working? Just yeah, thought. yeah. No, it um, it's interesting because um, if you control the memes, you can control the narrative. And you know, like we kind of touched on earlier, and I've said this before to people. I'm like, it's amazing when you look back, like it, like you know what it was like whenever I was a kid and my parents. You know, it's like everybody went to work. They came home from work. They watched the news. You know, they either watched one of three channels. They watched the nightly news and the nightly news said, this is what happened. You should feel this way. And then everybody said, okay, thank you. And then they, you know, ate their food, watched a little bit at late night and then went to bed and came out, you know, like the, the message was so controlled. So it's like, there's no surprise to me that they're just flipping out. And like you said, acting like children, and I keep picturing just like a child flailing. Yes. Like that's what I see their reaction as. So what do you think the media, like they've obviously been trying to censor. Um, I'm trying to work against that anti-censorship, but um, what do you think is going to happen here with, you know, you have Facebook in the metaverse, my God. Um, hello matrix. Um, and uh, you know, what do you think, we're going to be looking at over the next five to 10 years as the, as they lose the battle to control the message, it's going to get worse for them. Yeah. It's, it's going to get progressively worse. Um, they don't win this um, just because of how the na- the nature of the internet, right. Their solution is to try to centralize power and more censorship and more IDs and more thing. But Inherently, you know, we, we're kind of having, we're, we're kind of into the centralized era of the internet, but, you know, because of the, the nature of social media platforms and all that stuff. But, you know, you look at, you look like a, a, at a messaging service like Signal, right? Which is an open source free. Um, they don't make a profit. It's a non-for-profit, right? So, and you see how effectively Signal works. And it works just as well. I would say even better than WhatsApp. I actually like the user user interface better. So what's the reason to have a, you know, a, a, uh, a for-profit company behind some of these services. Right. Um, And I'm, I'm really bullish um, on, on Jack Dorsey. And I know a lot of people hate on him because, Twitter censors a lot of people. And I actually have a theory about that. I think that Twitter has grown to such a size that it's no longer controlled by any single entity. 
I think that Jack's hands are tied. I, I don't think I think that it's it's just got into such a size that he can't do anything about it. You know, yeah. like and if you look at Facebook, same story. And I think that they've been captured by I don't want to say the the deep state, but I would say the bureaucratic state. Um the you know the 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 bureaucrats that stay in power regardless of who gets elected. And I think that social media platforms have been captured by that side. And essentially there's like kind of this cooperation between that side and the social media platforms. And essentially they want them at whatever cost they want that part of the government to survive no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where a lot of this censorship stems from. I don't think that it stems from a political point of view. I think that that political point of view happens to be the most convenient for them at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but in the process of them playing this card, what I think they realize, maybe they know it now, which is why they're reacting even more aggressively is that they've exposed themselves in the process for effort for everyone to see. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and here, and, and I, and I actually tweeted about this months ago. I said, once you start censoring, it's such a slippery slope because it always ends the same way. And yeah. I'll give you a great example. If, if you want to know how censorship ends, right. Look at the United States, right. Look at, you know, before it got, you know, all corrupted and shit before the federal reserve, before all of the, you know, three letter agencies, all of that shit. But if you look mm -hmm. back to the founding and you look at, you know, the first amendment of the U S constitution, it literally says freedom of speech, right? Why do you think it says that? Why, why, do, why did they say that and not, you know, some speech, some speech? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Clearly. Right. Cause they were sick and tired of being censored. And if censorship worked, America wouldn't be a thing, right? Yeah. Because if it, if it was so effective, right? So censorship really only works when you have run out of arguments to counter the person that you're debating. You, you can't counter their narrative anymore. So what you rely is, let's just, not, let's just not let them talk. Because if we don't let them talk, then the other people won't have anything to say. And I want to tie this in with what happened with Trump. Right. Again, mm -hmm. I'm super apolitical, dude. I'm a Bitcoiner. I'm I don't mean left right there with you. I don't yeah. mean left or right. I don't buy into the fiat parties. Right. But I think it's a really good example with what happened with Trump, because. Um, essentially. Trump was circumventing them and going around the gatekeepers of information through his Twitter account. Right. Mm -hmm. So they would set up an official narrative and trump would just go around that and he just kept going around that and he was very effective at it right and when they finally took him off twitter they made a bet like okay we deplatformed this guy and, and to a large extent they did but everything just kind of rerouted right now there's a telegram now there's there's so many other services that you can get the same fucking information. It's not going to be as convenient as YouTube and Twitter, 
but the information is still there, mm-hmm. right? So, and that happens every single time because just because you censor doesn't mean that people still don't urge to want to see that message, right? The urge is still there. Just you're just changing up the means. You're just making it slightly inconvenient for people, but it's still there, right? This guy is pulling in, you know, 50,000 people at every single rally he does, but he's not on Twitter. You can't find him, but he's still pulling in those people because it shows you that it, it like, and I, and I think that this stems a lot from the 20th century, what, what you were talking about with this idea of like, these carefully crafted narratives, you read the news, you'd see the news and you'd be like, okay, this is what you should be upset about. This is what you shouldn't be upset about. But now, and and I think that legacy media is still operating under those terms. Like if we just censored just a little bit more, things will go back to the way it was. And I think the misconception that they have is that things are never going to go back to the way they are. We are transitioning. We that That era is dead it's it's dying or dead i think it's already dead and what you're seeing is just the giant machine that was still there but that shit has no future and the reason i tell you that dude is like look most people my age we don't get our news from the new york times or cnn or whatever we get our news with whoever's telling the truth and we have an ability to surmise what is truth based on all the, you know, all the platforms that we have, dude, because look, if I want to know the news, dude, Twitter does an excellent job at curating it for me, but it's not Twitter itself. That's doing it for me. It's everyone's curating. It's everyone's comments. Right. And it's, and it's the algorithm and it says, okay, Nico likes this. Nico likes that. And it carefully curates what you want to see. But if you're following the right people, whether it's plebs or whether, you know, I'm not a big fan of blue check marks, but if you're, if you're, if you like that, right. It carefully creates, like it tells you everything you need to know. Look, I go on Twitter and I don't miss anything. Anything's there. If if something big happened, I will see it, you know, and, and I don't need a large publication to tell me about it. I will find it, it will come up on my feed by itself. Right. So I think that era is, 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 is dying or dead. And the millennial generation, it's over the zoomer generation. It's even more over. Oh yeah. Right. So are they riding on the coattails of gen X and boomers? They are, but how long is that going to last? Right. Not much longer. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm smack in the middle of millennial and it's over for me. And then I think of like the young kids in Twitter. I don't know how old you are, but like, you know, you look at like the um, Dylan LeClaire's and and Will Clemente's and I'm like, geez, like these kids will never, ever turn on like a cable TV box. Like that, that doesn't make sense to them. You know, they'll never get their information from a newspaper. Like it, They'll never go to the store. They'll never buy it online. It's insane. And it is over. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's why I've been like pushing for, cause I mean, we're basically, we're like my platform. I'm not shilling my own platform here, but I'm just giving you a background on it. Um, 
is that uh, I properly shill it at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> I almost put it that way. Um, the, uh, you know, the narrative, like the woke, like cancel culture, all that bullshit where it's like, no, like, like this is over. This isn't how it works anymore. You can't, you don't control who gets to have a voice, you know? And I, and I get pushback from people in my personal life that are like, but what if it's a bad message? And I'm like, it's not my responsibility to take it away. And it's up to you, the user, to determine what is right and what is wrong. And like you said, having that, having the comments, like that's the perfect example you made. You see a mainstream or a corporate media headline on a Twitter post and you just go underneath and it's just memes of them just getting trolled. And that's where the truth really lies. You know, they might not even outright say the words. It's just the truth is there in the meme. Um so, you know, I mean, Elon, he said that a couple months ago, right? Like he said something like whoever controls the meme controls the me- message or something like that. Um, and I think is Greg Zadge the first con- chief me- meme officer in the history <laughs> of the world? Because I think that's his actual title at Strike. Yeah, Greg's a, Greg's a good dude. Um, what they're doing, what they did with the laser eyes um, was just so freaking cool. And you know, I, so I go back, so I'm really class of 2016, but really where you, in my opinion, where you pay your stripes is through the bear market. And I got close to all those dudes during the bear market, right? So all of those meme lords, how they call themselves or meme factory, it doesn't exist, all that, you know, all that stuff, Mm. but they, that essentially was there during the bear market and that's when they were memeing and then you know when the bull markets when everyone and their mother jumps on but you know it's it's really like were they there for the right reasons and most importantly um do they get it mm-hmm. right because you, you can only really make a funny effective meme if you get it right um and greg gets it and uh He's killing it, man. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little sneak peek, but we, no, I, I can't right now, but, oh, uh, anyway, we might, we, I'll just say this. We, we might be doing something with the meme factory and simply Bitcoin. We might be doing a very big collab, not on the show, but something different, something special. And, uh, and yeah, let's see in the next couple months. Well, dude, then you got, I got to talk to you about my animated show, the Citadel. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, we're going to, uh, it's going to be an original on our platform. Um, okay, cool. And it's basically a citadel um, that all the Bitcoiners, it, like it, the world has moved to a world reserve currency of Bitcoin. And so they all like move to a citadel. And, um, and there's this normie going home from work and sees like, he's like, hates his job and everything. And he hears like the, music playing from the got you got to pump it up song and he looks over and sees like disco lights coming out of the citadel and he goes in and gets orange pilled starts dancing has a good time um goes home like puts his house up for sale let's sale like they literally give him an orange pill and he takes it and then like you know he's like oh this is awesome and um yeah then he sells his house moves his wife and kids they go in buy a house in the citadel and then when he goes into his house he trips and falls and spits the orange pill out so then like the main character and his family are these normies that live in the citadel and you can't escape 
So like they're surrounded by everybody that's orange pilled. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll have like every character in there. Like you can be a character in there. Like every, anyone that's a, a character on Twitter, you know, Bitcoin anywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that. Cause that's, uh, that's something that the meme factory I think is going to have to probably be a part of that. Cause they'd have to at least be consultants. Cause like you said, you have to get it. That's the hardest part. You know, I could go, if I wanted to just make an animated show, I could just go hire people. Um, but I, how long, I need- how long, when did you get into Bitcoin? um so i bought my first bitcoin march 2020 okay so you're still paying so, your dues my friend oh, yeah. i know <laughs> I, I've, I've been telling guy swan i said i wish that i could i'm trying to earn my bear market badge i got a long way to go um so that's what like and i'm also really hesitant to like put my voice out there like i like in partaking in the conversation but like I, I say to people all the time, I'm like, the show's called Bitcoin Made Simple, not because I'm doing it. It's because I'm in interviewing people that do that for me. Like, I'm learning in public. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, as far as the concept goes, you know, I was all in on Bitcoin, um, but I owned one at one ETH um, lat, through last year. Um, and then I kind of realized how gross that was. And mm-hmm. I think what I, I think what it helped me do was I transitioned out of a fiat mindset um good because so that that's the key man it's like in because one of the one of the worst catchings i feel like of shit coins is people get caught up into this where they they're more focused on the the fiat gains right so you know you hold ETH, and it's like oh i'm up like 20 times this year or whatnot but it's like what you don't realize is like in bitcoin terms you're probably down right so it's stuff like that, man, that like, you know, it, it, I think that's one of the hardest lessons. And I think that the bear market is like just so effective at teaching you that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to a bear market. I'm like worried that we won't get one. Um, Cause uh, you know, it, I want to be properly initiated and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, it's uh because I think it would be more fun then. And I'd actually be more educational right now. It's like, it's just like there's so much emotion on Twitter. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know what a bear market Twitter is like. Because back in 2018, I was just like I was a lurker and I was paying attention and reading and doing some research, which is probably a good time to do that. Um, but then you know I lurked and lurked and lurked uh, too long. I should have I should have aped in then. But um, you know here we are. Uh, and yeah, that's what like uh, and my listeners know this at this point um, is that I'm just I say as far as Bitcoin's concerned, I'm pretty smooth brained. I'm just sitting here trying to learn from others. So, um, so you say the the bear market is the best time to build the community. You think like is that? I mean, you're kind of so. No, you weren't saying that, but I, I'm saying do you think that is based on what you were saying? So Bitcoiners have a saying, and I think a lot of us agree where we like the, the bear market more. And the reason for that is that's really where you make your, your real friends. And that's really who stays. And it's really easy to be a Bitcoiner in a bull market. Oh, yeah. It's so easy, but only the people that truly believe in Bitcoin and are really in it for the freedom and the sovereignty and they're not in it for the fiat gains really stay right and 
that's really when you start to have like a, a stomach of steel because things start to not matter to you anymore. Um, you know, you look at your portfolio, it's, you know, whatever, you know, relative to your life, you know, it's down, I don't know how much money in, in fiat terms and you're looking at it and that's really where it tests you. It really tests, like, do you really believe in this? And, you know, that's, that's, uh, and the people that get it, you know, the people that understand, they stay. And then the people that don't understand, they leave, they sell. Um, and I would say around 10, 20% of people stay. Um, 80%, they get wrecked and they never look back. And then the next, you know, bull market inevitably comes and they're like, you know, like, how did I miss this? Like, I don't understand. How did I get it? You know, and they inevitably buy back in higher. And I've just seen that story play out in so many people. And that's really when Twitter starts to calm down. All the scammers, like, they're not really there anymore because the opportunity isn't mm. there anymore. Everyone gets, that. everyone gets flushed out. And, um, you know, and, and, and this cycle, there's a lot of talk of a super cycle. And, you know, this thing is like the bear markets aren't going to be so bad. I don't think so. I think Bitcoin's going to keep doing its thing. Um, so let's see how it plays out. No one knows the future. But what I do know is that, you know, if you're not trading, if you're just stacking, which is what I do, um, it's really irrelevant. Like it really doesn't matter, you know, um, mm -hmm. whether we are in a super cycle, whether we're, we're not in a super cycle, you know, and I think that's a really important point is, are you in this for, are you in this for the freedom? Are you in it to get fiat rich? Because the, the wealth comes. Once you understand Bitcoin, you know that the, the wealth not only comes, it's, it's freaking guaranteed, essentially. So why focus on the wealth if you could focus on the battle at hand? And the battle really is a battle for freedom. You know, that, that's really what we're living through right now. That's what Bitcoin enables you. It enables you to fight these people with such an effective tool that if you secure your Bitcoin properly, you could really tell these people to f off. And unless they put you in a box, you know, for no reason, and then like, you know, put a gun to your head and it's, it starts getting violent, but it's like, are, are, is that violence going to happen on a massive scale? No, it's not. So it really shifts the balance of power from the state, from the bureaucracy back to the individual. And it gives the individual so much power, right? We've never lived in a world like that, where for the first time ever, you could memorize a 12 word seed phrase and you could store trillions of dollars in your mind, right? You can't do that with anything else, right? With Bitcoin, you can. And that changes everything, just that mere concept alone, right? And the best part about it is that they can't stop it. There's nothing they could do. Right. Like they could they could lock a couple of us in jail. They could really like they could really they could really, you know, make our lives mis miserable. 
um, for a lot of us, right? But they can't do it for all of us, right? And that's the difference there. And I think that Bitcoin plus the internet, because they've really done the internet, really got the foot in the door. It, it really disintermediated the information, right? Mm -hmm. And now Bitcoin at the same time, it's currently disintermediating the money, right? So you're disintermediating the information and you're disintermediating the money at the same time. It's created all of this chaos, right? Where you have the old world, you have the new world and they're just clashing like that. And it's funny to see the old world try to cope and their way of coping is to centralize power even more because they think that in doing so, they'll be able to control this beast. But that just tells me that they don't understand the Internet. You don't you don't control the Internet. Right. You don't control Bitcoin. Bitcoin changes you, but you don't control it. It does whatever it wants. You own Bitcoin and you don't own Bitcoin. Right. You are you are Satoshi, but you're not Satoshi. Right. And I, and I think that it really exposes the psychopaths on both sides of the aisle, the left and the right, that are really totalitarian and they're anti-human. Right. They're not about the freedom of mankind. They're not about, you know, the, the pursuit of happiness, you know, pr private property. They're about themselves and enriching themselves no matter what the cost. And Bitcoin just throws a wrench in there and the Internet just throws a wrench in there and they they short circuit. They don't know how to do it. They're like, oh, what do you mean I have to give up power? Um, what do you mean? I, like allow people to transact freely and openly? What the f is that about? Right. So is this a perfect fix? Does this mean that governments are are aren't going to figure it out one day? No, of course they are. But I think that it definitely buys us a couple decades of freedom, right? A, a couple decades of, of sovereignty. And I don't know how they're going to solve this problem, but it's a major problem for them. It's a major mm -hmm. problem for the systems, the, the legacy systems. And my bet is the internet wins. Um, like it's one on it. The winner internet has won on anything, on everything. Okay. So, do I think that the internet is going to lose in the money game? No, of course I don't. The internet is going to win on that too. So it's just really interesting to see how these things are going to play out. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to swim against a, a current that they can't stop. I mean, they, that they, it's impossible to swim upstream on. And, and it's fun to watch them. Like, but it, like you said, that, that is the most shocking thing, that they think the best reaction is to centralize power more. Like, yes. Do you think Bitcoin will ever be made illegal in the United States? It's irrelevant. Um, oh, I yeah. I know. I know that part. But I mean, do you think I, they'll I, try? Yeah, absolutely. They'll try that. The United States and Europe, like they have the most to lose. But unlike Europe, the United States has something really special. And this is what I really love about this country. And I immigrated here. So I'm really looking at it from um a person who's seen the rest of the world and comes here. And I'm telling you that this country is one of, if not one of, if not the best country on earth. Um, and there's a reason for that. It's because the founding fathers really understood the concept of decentralization. They really understood that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right. So 
you know, you see their attempts at dividing the government, dividing power, right? You see um, the individual sovereignty that they gave to each individual state. So what's going to end up happening is I think it's, I think that the legal tender is going to happen on a state by state basis Mm -hmm. rather than on a federal basis first. And the reason that it's going to happen on a state by state basis is because Texas and Wyoming, they're going to fight that law if they make it illegal tooth and nail. Right. And they're just not going to put up with it. Right. Because it, it, Bitcoin means so much to their GDP. Right. But if you're like a left wing state that most benefits from the fiat money printer, you're going to say Bitcoin. Right. So in Europe, right, there's a because it's, it's such a bureaucratic government, they could just ban it outright and just say that. But if you do that in the US, you have Texas and Wyoming and maybe Florida basically flicking them off and saying, go yourself. We're not going to follow this shit, you know, like like the marijuana law. Right. Marijuana is illegal on a federal level, but on a state level, it's illegal in many states. Right. Yeah. They have marijuana businesses. So I think Bitcoin is going to follow that same pattern. Right. And just because the incentives are there. Right. And if they can't make Bitcoin illegal on in a whole scale, the game theory plays out. Right. People just going to move to Texas because there's more opportunity there because there's more Bitcoin there. People are going to leave New York. And that's what's what you, that's what you're seeing now. Oh yeah. The states that are cracking down on freedom and Bitcoin is freedom are the most totalitarian and people are leaving in droves. And you know where they're going? Florida and Texas. Why? Because there's freedom there, meaning that there's more opportunity to get ahead. So Bitcoin just plays into that so perfectly. So yeah, I, I definitely see Dude, when Bitcoin gets to a $10 trillion market cap or $15 trillion market cap, that's when all hell breaks loose. That's, that's when, the, like, remember, here. dude, they're, they're stuck in such a hard place because now they have to justify to everyone why inflation is necessary. Yeah. Right? They have to say, okay, inflation is necessary for this reason. But what they don't tell you is that inflation is a hidden tax. It's stealing from people. And by stealing from people, it's enriching the state and the top 1% in the process. Why is that necessary? Why can't I save? I could save in Bitcoin. It's like, but we don't want you to save in Bitcoin. Why not? Because you want to steal from me, right? So it really puts them in a tough spot. And then it's like, oh, because the world's going to burn down if we don't have KYC, if we don't have AML. But that's not true either. Look at El Salvador, right? So, So do do I think that these people win? No. But do I think that like an animal trapped into a corner, that's when they're the most ferocious. That's when you have to be scared of them the most, right? Because that's when they're going to fight to kind of defend their keep. No matter the cost, they're not even going to be making sense. And they're not making sense because it's for one reason. They're fighting to keep power, right? That's the only reason they're fighting. They're fighting to keep the power. And those people that are willing to fight for power are some of the scummiest people on the face of the planet right so that's really what we're up against but i have hope dude and the hope is this it's very this it's very simple and i tweeted this out today go open a bank account and go download a bitcoin wallet you'll see which one's significantly easier and then you'll see how this all ends 
because it's very clear how this all ends, right? It's just you have an incumbent who's so well entrenched and so it's so corrupted all elements of the system, and they've they essentially have propped themselves up because of that. That these people genuinely believe that their system is better. But they don't understand that perhaps it's better for the 1% for the politicians, but for everybody else, everybody else is is a loser in that system, right? So they're going to fight for what they believe is right, for what they believe is good for themselves, but the rest of us are going to fight for what's good for ourselves. And there's a lot more of us than there is of them, right? So you know, it's just, it's, it's an incentive thing. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Put Bitcoin aside. What system has better incentives? Bitcoin does. And for that reason alone, Bitcoin wins, right? It's a better system. It's an open system. It's, it's, it's a KYC free system. It doesn't, doesn't get to decide that you're unbankable because of where you were born. Anybody could download a Bitcoin wallet. It doesn't judge any, you could transact with anybody. It doesn't care who you transact with right? No one could debase your money, right? It's a better system. It's a fairer system, right? So anyways, my the better dude, system always wins. It does. My dude, I have to dip. It's two. This was an yeah. awesome rip. Um, dude, no, I was I just going to say, hand off to people where they can follow you and, you know, where they can check the show. Yeah, absolutely. You could check out Simply Bitcoin on, on YouTube. We might get banned any moment though. Uh, so definitely give us a follow on Twitter, simply Bit- at Simply Bitcoin TV. You can keep up with us and we'll tell you where the new platform is if we do get banned. And you could follow me personally at BitVault7. And I try to tweet out once a day and I, and I try to give you a unique perspective that no one else does. So, man, thank you so much um, for inviting me on the show, bro. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry I have to run so soon. It was my girlfriend's birthday today. I wish I knew that when we... When we uh, <laughs> when we when yeah. we book this, but uh, dude, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, no it. worries.